Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, the web-only sports show from Radio New Zealand. This week, the countdown continues to the Cricket World Cup, with now less than 100 days to the start of the tournament, hosted by New Zealand and Australia. We hear from a player hoping to make the Black Caps side. We find out more about Rion Nolan, a man who has spent much of his adult life in prison, but is now one of the country's top cyclists. New Zealand rower Robbie Manson comes out as gay. He tells us about some of the issues he's been through. And our top squash player, Joelle King, is three months into her rehabilitation after an Achilles tendon injury. She's determined to come back better. Another milestone on the road to the Cricket World Cup was passed this week, with less than 100 days until the tournament gets underway in Christchurch. The Black Caps' preparation started in disappointing fashion with a one-day series against South Africa last month. The New Zealand Test side is in the UAE playing a three-match series against Pakistan, while an experienced one-day team known as New Zealand A will also go there soon to play Pakistan A. One player looking to play himself into form on that tour is Martin Guptil. He spoke to reporters and says he likes where the Black Caps are at. We're in a good space at the moment. You know, we, we've had a few warm-up games in South Africa, um, and then they, you know, they didn't, while they didn't go to, to plan results-wise, I think we got a lot out of it, and you know, and, and the plans coming together nicely. Yeah, and personally, how do you feel coming out of that South Africa series? Do you feel like you need more game time and how the performance to shape up? Well, it was a tough series, and you know, sometimes things you try don't really come off, and, and that was the case in that series. But um, you know, got a got a few uh, Georgie Pie Super Smash games coming up and, and just enjoying playing for Auckland in that at the moment and, mm. and just getting a bit of time in the middle under the belt. You feel like that um, trip to UAE will be a great great opportunity for you being not in the best form to try and get a bit of form back against uh, an A side? Well, it's um, what these Georgie Pie games are for is getting the form back and I think we showed on Saturday night that it's slowly coming back and, and if I can just keep, keep uh, spending time in the middle, uh, you know, the more runs I'm going to score. As you said, it seems we can do a plan. Do you hear like the criticism on, on, on Twitter and things like that about uh, your strike rate and people going, uh, couples out there, 10, 30 balls, that sort of thing? Do you hear that at all? Every single day when I check Twitter. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just it's a patience thing, you know. You can't go out and hit 100 off 50 balls every day, and, and I think people are expecting that more and more these days. Um, and I think they understand the pressures of international cricket that you just can't do that every single day. You know, there's a lot of different factors in, out in the middle, so it's just a matter of just taking time. And the more time in the middle, the easier the run scoring is going to be. And is that your role in the team as well? Obviously, you play the chess, and now Jimmy Nisham up, up there is the, the blaster, of course, at the top. Uh, you are the other end, turning striker, and that sort of thing. Is that more of your role? Oh, the role is out just go and play cricket, um, and that's what I'm trying to do. And I wasn't. Hit, I was hitting a lot of fielders in that series against South Africa, which is a bit frustrating. But um, you know, I hit a few gaps the other night for Auckland, so hopefully I can continue that and, and uh, start hitting gaps when I'm back in the Black Caps. And how did you feel about that partnership with um, Nisham? And do you think that could be the one moving forward? Well, it's hard to say after two innings. Um, you know, obviously we didn't uh, get away to any flies or anything like that, so it's very hard to say after only two hits and. 
you know, getting partnerships together um, is pretty key at the top of the order. And you know, if we get the opportunity to do that again together, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll try and uh, do a f- get a few 50, 50, 100 partnerships under the belt. And having this uh, New Zealand day trip as well, how good is it? I guess that it's a New Zealand day team, but most of the guys in the team are guys that are going to be in or in it or around that World Cup squad. It's a, it's a pretty strong team that that A side. So heading over there, we got um, you know we got most of the batting unit there, and, and also quite a few of the bowlers as well. So we've all played to get a lot of cricket together, and and we've got some good combinations in there. So I think it's going to be a quite a successful A trip. And what are your thoughts on having Jesse Ryder back in that team? Are you uh, you on board with that and looking forward to having him back? Yeah, I love batting with Jesse. He's a, he's a match winner and he's a, he's a bit of a freak with the bat, so it's going to be nice to be at the other end batting with him and, and watching him do his thing. So I'm quite excited about that. Are you hopeful that he's back for the World Cup? I wish you have to wait and see. You know, we've got, There's a lot of cricket to be played between now and then, so you know, if he scores uh, enough runs and, and, and that, he, he uh, should be there. But you don't have any problems with any of the off-field stuff that's happened in the past? Are you confident it's past them now? If he's scoring runs on the pitch, it's hard to uh, hard to keep him out of the side. So it's, uh, if he scores enough runs, then you know, it's good for New Zealand cricket. That's New Zealand cricketer Martin Guptill. And this is Extra Time. The New Zealand rower Robbie Manson says he looks forward to the time when a top-level athlete publicly revealing he's gay doesn't matter. Manson has publicly revealed he's gay in an article on the gay sports website OutSport. Manson was part of the New Zealand quad skull that competed in the Olympics final in London two years ago and last year won three World Cup regattas in the double skull. Manson says he told family and close friends two and a half years ago that he was gay and anticipated revealing his sexual orientation to fellow rowers would be difficult for them to accept. But as he told Stephen Hewson, he was surprised with their response. It hasn't been a big deal to anyone. Like I just carried on training as normal, continued training. Um, like nothing changed, and like that's that's my whole point, I guess, is that um, like it's not a big deal. Like you don't need to be ashamed of it. You don't need to celebrate it. It's it's neither. It just is part of who you are. And the fact that it's not a big deal, and that's that's what I want to share, is that it's not a big deal, and try and help other people um, who are struggling because some people do struggle a lot with that thing. I know that I struggled a lot before I came out and um, I guess felt quite depressed and hated myself because of it and thought that it was this terrible thing, this terrible part of me and then I realised after coming out that it wasn't and now it's something that I'm I'm very proud that I'm different and I'm happy that I'm gay and it's a small part of me but it is a part of me and it's um, I, I think it's all been good. You found it difficult. Is that in a societal sense, or is that do you think pressure that might have become from the whole macho sports thing? Um, a little bit of both. Rowing, like a lot of sports, like you need to be strong mentally and physically, and um, I guess um, that I, I didn't want me being gay to affect that in any way, and like affect the way I was perceived as a rower or as a person. Um, and the the great thing is it hasn't. The reaction you got, as you say, people in a in a sense went well. So what? Did that surprise you? It did surprise me because I'd made it out to be this um, really big deal in my head, and it did surprise me that it wasn't a big deal to everyone else. So I was terrified about anyone else finding out. It, three or four years ago, like I thought, if anyone found out, I wouldn't be able to keep rowing because of the way people would react to it. But it was all something that I'd made up and um, over-dramatised, I guess, 
the ultimate breaking down of any gay barrier would be for an all-black to come out, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, like, it would be embraced. It would be accepted. Like, um, as like, I've found in rowing, like, you're surprised by the people that do support you. And, like, honestly, my the re- reaction I've had both when I came out two years ago and the reaction when I've, I've had now from the um, from sharing my story has all been 100% positive. Um, and I've been surprised by the people that um, have not only been okay with it, but sent me messages and said, hey, that's great, like, good on you. And, like, it is, it is like, guys I went to school with and, like, guys that were in the first 15 and things like that. So it's not as big a deal as you make it out to be. And I think even a, a, an all-black or a rugby player would be very well supported. New Zealand rower Robbie Manson talking to Stephen Hewson. This is Extra Time. In the gruelling world of road cycling, the biggest smiles are usually reserved for the winners. But on the third stage of this week's Tour of Southland, it was the third-place getter who was beaming from ear to ear. The podium finish capped an incredible story of redemption for the 33-year-old Christchurch rider, Rion Nolan, who spent much of his adult life in prison before turning his life around after discovering cycling. Nolan spent a total of 10 years in prison for crimes including possession of firearms, armed robbery, drugs charges and money laundering. However, he fell in love with cycling after completing a ride through his rehabilitation centre four years ago and now has ambitions to ride in the World Championships in Perth in 2016. He told Alex Coogan-Reeves how he's improved in the sport with help from some high-profile mentors. Two years ago, I came dead last in this race. I got the, the Lanton Rouge. I'm just grateful to first Stu Lowe. Um, he gave me the biggest base ever, and then to Hayden Rolston. He, for the last 12 weeks, has been training me up something something special, and um, I'll order him, really, to be honest, just what he's making me do on the erg, on and off the bike as well, like all positive thinking and eating healthy food and staying positive. So, um, to be honest, it's the best day of my life and, and uh, the best day in cycling. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty happy day, to be honest. Obviously, you there's a lot of stuff in your past and things. Did you ever see a day like this where you would be on the podium in a, in a race this big? Nah, mate, never. Eh? Like, the way I was brought up, you know, I couldn't even describe it to you. You know, and the things that I used to get up to and uh, things that I was forced to do as, as, as a young kid, you know, and creating all the victims. And I just thought that was normal as a, like a 12, 13-year-old to be in prison for, you know, over 10 years to be surrounded by so much dysfunction and drugs and alcohol and, um, you know, crime, you know, to come here for the first time and get Lantern Rouge, like everybody, some people laugh at that, but, you know, that was, for me to finish Tour of Southland two years ago, it was, it was a miracle, to be honest, considering where I've come from, you know. Even last year, I, you know, I got better and better on the bike, and then today, you know, it was just blowing me away. Like, some people are like, oh, it's, it's only third, but to me, it's, you know, it's amazing. How did you uh, get linked up sort of with Hayden Rolston and how's it been having a guy like that help you out? Mate, it's a, to be honest, it's a dream come true. My former coach, Stuart Lowe, he, he approached me and says, oh, I reckon I can get you stronger. It just did a race. And I was like, and then I heard that he's won a tour of Southland before and he's won Bluff Hill and I was like, holy hell. And so Stu started helping me out. Like, mate, I was blown away. I was like, this guy's, you know, he's an old school hitter and um, he started doing making me do these things called SEs, and I've never done them before. And, um, yeah, it was pretty cool, actually. And um, Hayden's a friend of Stu, and then 
he, he just sent us uh, like a, a joint email saying that he really liked to help me. And he says, oh, don't get upset. Like, I'm going to find your weaknesses and then we're going to work on those. And so he'd watch what I eat, what I drunk. I'd always stand on the bike. Um, I was always using a bigger gear. And at the end of those, the little training days I did with him, he just sent me a, a wicked as email, you know, about me and my life, um, about what he wants to, how he wants to help me and what areas we need to work on. And Southland's the, the main focus for me. So we just went from there. And it's been day-to-day contact. Gives me feedback straight away. And like even to be like emailing him, I just get uh, like a real healthy buzz off that, you know. Um, I still can't believe it that he's going out of his way to help me. And even when I was in the break today, I said to myself, I was like, holy hell, what did he turn me into? You know, riding with these guys? Because I wouldn't be able to do this before if he didn't, you know, train me the way he's been training me. How long have you been cycling now and sort of how did you get into it coming out of prison and um, who introduced you sort of thing? I got out of prison and I went to a, a reintegration centre called Salisbury Street Foundation. And that's where I work today, actually. And then they did a charity bike ride from Queenstown to Christchurch to raise um, to raise money for victim support. And I was like, this is pretty awesome. I was like, I just did 100 and something kilometres on a bike. And I, I just loved the feeling of it. So I got myself a mountain bike. But then I, I wasn't doing mountain bike tracks. I was just riding along the Port Hills. And I seen this old guy. He, he come past me on a road bike. And, and he goes, oh, I'll jump on my wheel. So I tried to ride with him. You know, and I thought I was a big tough hero, and he just dropped me. So then a week later, I got a, um, a road bike, and my partner at the time, Rebecca, couldn't believe I was spending $1,800 on a road bike. She was like, what, $1,800 for a bike? You're crazy, you know? So it was a bit of humor, actually. And then I just got the road bike, and I just loved it straight away. I, I loved the speed. I loved the cornering, the gears. I just like putting a pair of shades on the helmet, and I, I just did my own riding, just, just cruise around. Didn't even know that you could enter races. I met out with a bunch of uh, guys uh, that run a, a social ride called the Mebury Bunch, and uh, they all passed me on Titat Road. There's about 15 of them. They came past me, and, and I'd never ridden with the bunch before, and I was like, someone said jump on, and I thought that meant piss off or something. You know, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what to do. You know what I mean? And um, this this lady, Ninka, was like, no, nah, no, nah, just jump here and sit here. And then, and I was like, oh, my, and I was actually really impressed with, like, the speed they were going and how they were... Um, like moving, you know, like rotating, you know, in the bunch. And um, so they all, for about probably six months, um, I got to know those guys pretty well. And I was actually pretty shy about my past. And I didn't, you know, like, oh, you know, these are real, real nice people. Um, and then slowly I started opening up to them about my past. And, and they didn't blink an eyelid once when I started telling them. You know, and they made me feel like, one, I could fit in to the community, and two, that I could actually... Um, you know, just be a normal person doing this sport. And then I just started racing. And the thing is, when I was growing up in prison my whole life, you know, I've been surrounded by violent, tough people. It's all about image and um, pride and ego. And when I went into my first race, there was these little skinny white guys, you know, kicking my ass. To be honest, my ego was hurt. My pride was hurt. I, I, I'm used to being a bit of a tough guy and, you know, attitude and that kind of thing. Um, and I you never want to look soft and stuff. So... I guess I was like, oh, I've got a lot to learn. And then I just started from there. Started racing every weekend, and my partner would take me to the races. And then I got my first set of race wheels, and she was like, two, two and a half thousand dollars on a set of wheels, you know? <laughs> and then the bike needed an upgrade, and she was like, four thousand dollars on a bike. She was like, this is ridiculous. But she seen how happy I was. And then Scotty Brown's at a race at Royal Pony. She's, oh, we want to start a, a cycling team around uh, you and Richard so you guys can race the Benchmark Series. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
like to me back then it was like the pro peloton or something i was like oh this is amazing we've got three sets of kit helmets oakley's nutrition you know they pay for accommodation straight up it blew me away i guess like i I was just always determined to get better at anything really if i put my mind to it you know and that's still the that's still the focus for me you know i've got so much to improve on and learn about everything because i i'm still like a, a rookie in the game you know as you say, you're still working with a lot of prisoners. Have you managed to get any of them in cycling or hoping that maybe this result might inspire a few of them to to follow sort of a similar path to what you have? Yeah, the fun- mate, the funny thing is it's like um, I've been working with a guy, Macker, actually, and for the last, oh, I don't know, maybe nine months, this guy trains more and harder than me. You know, we've got a gym at work and he's out he's out on the um, the wind trainer doing intervals. Like every day he trains. And I'm blown away by it, you know, and I go on bunch rides with him. I had another guy, um, Jono, actually. He's another young guy, pretty talented, actually. Um, we trained him up for a couple of weeks. He did his first ride with me and Richard. Uh, did 100 k's. That was after, like, about, you know, after a while of training. And then he went out to Ruapuna, um, Ruapuna and won, won a C-grade race. He's a bit of a sprinter. Like, it's amazing how if you've been in the dark your whole life and the only happiness you get is when you're drinking and doing drugs, you go to a safe environment and you start doing healthy things, you know, like even gardening, to be honest, you know, um, but especially the mountain biking, you know, they're all love it. Oh, we just did 30Ks of mountain biking. They're having lunch. They're learning about nutrition, how they have to feed themselves during, before and after. I, I, I think sport is an amazing thing for um, for anybody struggling with anything, really, to just release healthy um, endorphins, you know. So I, I think... Um, especially mountain biking and cycling. Cycling definitely is, is good for the guys, definitely. That's Rion Nolan talking to Alex Coogan-Reeves. The Wellington Phoenix should fancy their chances of beating bottom-of-the-table Western Sydney Wanderers in their A-League match in Wellington this weekend. Western Sydney have yet to win an A-League game this season, though they've played two games fewer than the rest and they've just been crowned the new champions of Asia. The Phoenix lost their last match against the Melbourne Victory and sit in fifth place, but Phoenix coach Ernie Merrick says he's looking forward to play the best team in Asia. He also spoke to Stephen Houston about what Western Sydney's success means for football in Australasia. I feel very positive to coming into this next game, and it, it, there's nothing better than the short turnaround because you don't want to dwell on a loss. And given some of the play that we had, I, I think it's, we're very optimistic as well. But it's good that we're playing the best team in Asia. And, and it's a great credit to Tom, Tony Popovich and his players that they are now the top club in the whole of Asia. But they're the bottom club in the A-League? I think they've had a very interrupted A-League, given they've only played two games, everyone else has played four. But they were very competitive, uh, uh, particularly against uh, Sydney, when they were up 2-0 and lost 3-0, but also had a player sent off. So... Tony always puts out a very competitive team, very tough team, work hard for each other. There's a no-frills type of game, but um, no, we're ready to go. Western Sydney might be hoping they're uh, still celebrating? I've always been the type of coach that looks forward to playing the, the best the best uh, mix of players in each team. Um, I, it, it can sometimes work against you. I mean, playing against Vic, victory, you're not going to tell me that three or four players that come in for Berisha and Del Pierre weren't going to try their very, very best, and they've got such good depth. It's the same now uh, with the Wanderers. Everyone they use will know they're expected to do a job for Tony Popovich, so it'll be a hard, tough game against a squad that's got really good depth and has been built up over time over the last couple of years and very successful, so it'll be a terrific game. 
they must have been doing some celebrating, though, surely. I, I hope so. I hope they were heavy into the whiskey. <laughs> what are they going to bring? I mean, they they are now Asia League champions. Well, that status is enormous when you think about it. The J League in Japan, the K League, uh, uh, are extremely strong. China spending more money on players. In fact, they're supposed to have the most expensive Brazilian in the world playing over there. So all these leagues, and I haven't even touched on the, the leagues in you know in the Middle East, where they've got some great players, some great teams. And the status of the A-League now must have rocketed upwards because all of a sudden our, our, our club from our competition, our domestic A-League competition, which is pulling in massive crowds now, it has, has beaten everyone. And they are the number one club in Asia. And to me, that's phenomenal. It, it just it's, it's not only good for the Wanderers, but it's great for the A-League in general. And, and that makes this game even more special. Do you think we will see a spillover? I mean... Do maybe football followers in Australasia realise what a, what a, an achievement this is by Western Sydney, and, and will those outside looking in? I think see see what it means. I think the perception is changing. Uh, it's seen as a very good league, and uh, the the quality of the players that are coming over here now are no longer older players at the end of the their their, their football career. I mean, uh, the captain of Austria uh, is. Is playing with, with um, Sydney. Um, we've worked two lads with great pedigrees from Ajax, Amsterdam, and, and Sunderland in the EPL, and I think that's happening more and more across the board. So there are good quality players coming from Europe and South America, and hopefully from Asia, that want to play in this A League because of the quality of the football. The Wellington Phoenix coach Ernie Merrick talking to Stephen Hewson, and this is extra time with Barry Guy. New Zealand's top squash player Joelle King is two and a half months into her rehabilitation after suffering an Achilles tendon injury. King was competing in the national championships in August when she heard the dreaded snap. King had risen to number four in the world, picked up a bronze medal at this year's Commonwealth Games and was aiming for bigger things. However, she's been forced into a six-month break from the game and is making the most of it. I asked her if she thinks back to that incident. I can remember it like it was yesterday. It's now two and a half months along. Yeah, just one of those silly old squash injuries where I was trying to go back. I went to go back and then go forward, and it just went off like a gun. So I knew straight away that it was my Achilles. Did you go through all of the stages of sort of trauma or whatever it is? You know, did you sort of just think about the future and that sort of thing? You know what? Um, I guess as soon as it happened, you know, people. It was the nationals of for squash so there was a lot of our diehard um, squashy people around who were really I guess more depressed than I was it was I guess I was pretty accepting straight away that you know as an athlete these things happen and I've just tried to look to tomorrow really every single day I've tried to sort of set goals along the way and every little improvement I make is um, is really exciting so you know what it's it's kind of been it's been hard but I'm thinking it could be a blessing in disguise really. I don't know if there's any real downtime when it comes to professional squash player, but over the summer, I mean, was it? It gives you an opportunity, perhaps, to refresh something like that. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, a blessing in disguise. That sounds weird when you, you know, as an athlete, get a major injury to say something like that. But the time away from the sport has actually, I guess, fueled something inside that I guess has always been there, but. When you've been doing it, you know, I've been doing it for like nine years now, 
traveling and playing and, and competing and um, sometimes I guess you can get a bit stale without even knowing and the time away has actually just fueled a fire, a burning candle I guess even more so and um, you know I'm just so excited to have the opportunity to actually um, come back and rehab's going really well so it's it's pretty exciting for me at the moment. You talked about six months, and you're a couple of months into that. I mean, uh, is someone sort of holding the reins back or something? Because I imagine you're probably very eager to even push yourself, perhaps. Yeah, for sure. I've got a great team around me. My surgeon, Steve McChesney in, in Waikato, and Cara Thomas is my physio, who's worked with the, the rowing and um, came to the Commonwealth Games with us. So, you know, they're, they're very hard on me. They they want me to push it, but um, they, they certainly tell me when to pull back. And I think that's been one of the hardest things is to just really take the time. And, you know, the first five weeks I had to sit on the couch with my leg elevated and couldn't really move. So as an athlete who trains six hours a day, doing that was probably the hardest thing. But, um, you know, it's just about coming back as well as I can. And um, if that means that I have to take it slow, that, that's what I'm going to do. So... You know, six months they think I'll be back playing, but um, I have a goal of competing in the British Open in May, which would be nine months since the, the accident. So um, that's the team's really happy with that, and, and um, they think it's pretty realistic. Uh, well, you'll be able to enjoy Christmas Day for a start, won't you? I know so many athletes that are rowers and things that are they can't pig out, really, but you can enjoy that. When do you hope to get back to what you would call perhaps somewhere near normal training? Well, I guess that they, you know, they talk about me being back playing squash in six months. I think I'll probably be back, they sort of think maybe four and a half months, I'll be back to maybe doing, you know, a full proper week's training. At the moment, I'm I'm training every day, um, either in the gym or swimming or doing something like that. So I'm kind of trying to keep a bit of a routine. But uh, yeah, they think maybe about four and a half months. But once again, you know, each individual case is different. So if it's needs to be pushed back a little bit till my body's ready then and that's what we'll have to do so it's just a trial and error really. So you're obviously still thinking as a full-on professional athlete this time off hasn't made you think about sport differently or uh, you know taking a bit sort of easier or anything like that? Um, I guess it's it's been nice because I've I've had a period where I've been able to do things that I don't normally get to do. Like you said, for most athletes, the Christmas day. For me, sleeping in my own bed for longer than, you know, two or three weeks at a time before I have to fly off to the next tournament and, and hanging out with friends and just kind of feeling normal has been really nice. But um, like I said, it's it's made me realise even more how much I love what I do and that I haven't finished, you know, what I started. So it's it's been like I said while it's been nice um my journey's definitely far from over and uh I just can't wait to start playing again you know have you spoken to perhaps anyone that's had a similar injury yeah I have um you know that's been actually one of the nicest things throughout this this injury the the support and emails I've had from fans but also from fellow competitors on the, the squash tour one in particular, Alison Waters, who I beat at the Commonwealth Games for the third and fourth. She actually went through an, an Achilles problem for about a year and a half and actually came back and from that. And, you know, she was one of the first... She's been one of my closest rivals for a few years now. She was one of the first people to get in touch with me and, and give me support. And 
that's pretty special when you know your fellow competitors can take their head off away from competing and put you know be a friend and be a supportive person for you. And as far as you know or think, uh, you'll be back the same as you were before the injury. Well, I'm hoping. Um, you know, the, as I said, the the surgeon and the physio are really, really happy with my progress. Everything's gone as well as they could have asked for, so that's really pleasing to know. And like I said, my goal is the British in May, so I think that gives me enough time once I'm back playing and training to, you know, I don't want to just go back on the tour and make up the numbers. I want to come back um, where I was or even, you know, even stronger. So I'm going to do everything in my power to um, get right back to where I was. Good luck to Joelle King and her recovery. For the sixth year running, members of the Hurricanes rugby team are heading across the Pacific to promote an anti-violence program in the islands. Motu Matu'u, Ambrose Curtis and Mark Abbott are off to Vanuatu to help deliver the Break the Silence in the Violence program. Hurricanes personnel development manager Steve Simons told Coral Vakauta how the program started. I got introduced to a guy called Cam Ronald at the New Zealand Police who was running the Pacific Prevention of Domestic Violence Program and sort of said, hey, have I got an idea for you? Why don't we take some rugby boys and, and get some profile and see if we can get a win-win out of this? We managed to come up with a, an idea that we built on and, and, and has worked. So that first year we went off to Samoa with 10 players from the Hurricanes and the success of that initial project was, was massive. The response was huge. There was a spike in the reporting of domestic violence immediately after that, which is one of the indicators that we're looking for. But also there was a massive growth in the boys that we took. We'd been up there just after the tsunami, so we went down to Lalamanu and we, we did some stuff in the community. Everything was built around rugby. And the response we got and the, and the growth in the boys was really eye-catching. So we decided that maybe this was something we should continue developing. And here we are six years later going up to, to Vanuatu. Now you've been to, to Guam, the Cook Islands, Samoa and Tonga. How do you think you are affecting such change in, in such diverse places? There's a couple of things there. The first one is that the police have got a fantastic program going that's funded out of the out of New Zealand Aid, out of the ministry. And they're already doing some great work in building capability around the reporting of domestic violence, the management of domestic violence in terms of when it is reported, how the police respond and so on. So we go in for a week. And our job is to really use rugby to assist with, with giving some profile. So, so giving it a real spike over that period. All the indicators we've got from the police are that that awareness that we generate increases the reporting and the increase of reporting initially is something they want. The second bit is, and probably the bit we hadn't initially thought would happen, is that our boys come back educated. So we we educate them before they go in. They have a great experience in, in country and when they come back they're often so moved and so powered by what they've done that they start to impact their own families their own communities, their own rugby clubs, whatever it is, by sending messages back into their own place around, around domestic violence and the need to reduce it and the need to remove it from our, uh, our environment. Last year the programme won the New Zealand Rugby Players Association Off the Field Achievement Award. And that's extra time for this week. You can contact us at sport at radionz.co.nz or follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. 
every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.